Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Mike, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you today? I'm great, great. Hey, listen, uh, we've been battling with a general contractor in our home uh, trying to complete a kitchen remodel. And uh, he's done a substandard job, uh, and uh, we've had to have the tile, backsplash tile replaced twice now. <clears throat> and now we're going on our third backsplash replacement. Apparently he cannot find a qualified tile man uh, to do the job. And uh, so we're at the point where we're just going to tell him to go away. And he's telling us that, you know, hey, Stick with me. I've got a guy that's busy, but he's going to come over and redo the tile, take the tile off, and start all over again. So uh, can you recommend someone who can do excellent tile work in a kitchen, a backsplash? i, I got to be honest. I don't have a tile person that, that I can recommend. Um, you know, Most of these guys work in a very, very isolated area because there is so much work for them right now. They just don't travel very far, and so it's uh, that's that's one of those trades that I just don't have people that I can recommend on. But I will tell you, mm-hmm. you know, where they're telling you that uh, you know it's hard to find people right now. It is miserable to find su- qualified subcontractors okay. right now because all contractors are just swamped. You know, with, when COVID hit, uh, so many people got stuck staying home and they're looking at their house and saying if i'm gonna be stuck here every day for for the unforeseen future i'm gonna fix this thing up and it's it's created material shortages labor shortages it's it's just uh horrible trying to get anything done right now yeah well okay well thanks for <laughs> thanks for letting me know we're, we're kind of experiencing that ourselves huh? yeah they put uh, different guys in to do the work, and they're see they don't have the skill set required to do a right. good job. And well, let, let, let me ask you a question it, so. though: is, is the contractor coming in saying, "Look, this isn't right, and I'm going to redo it," or are you having to call and fight with him? Uh, he knows that both times the tile was done, it was substandard. Okay, and uh, you know. So he's not arguing about it. Uh, in fact, I'm a, they've, they've I'm put give the tile you, uh, on twice now. Yeah, and we're having to take it off. We're going to have to take it off a third time. So it's stick just, with it's just ridiculous. stick with that contractor then. And, and the reason I'm telling you that you're going to find a lot of contractors will come in and argue with you, and especially the fly-by-night guys are going to come in and argue. Oh no, that's the way it's supposed to be. When you got a contractor who comes in, looks at it, and says, "No, I understand this isn't right. I'm taking care of it. I will redo it." He's standing behind his work. Let him let him do what he needs to do. Uh, all right. I know well, it's a pain. Tip, I know it's a pain, but you got one who's standing behind his work, and let me tell you, that's hard to find in the contracting world right now. Yeah, you're right. Right. Okay. Hey, well, thanks for all the right. info. Ted to Willis, Texas, Mark. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I'm building a 2,700-square-foot new home, single-story. The 
builder's contractor supplying a train, five-ton unit. Okay. Um, it's a 16-seer is the standard unit for them. I've talked to the contractor, and he's saying to go to an 18-seer variable speed is $4,500 extra, or a 20-seer is $5,000 extra. Does that sound right? Is that high? Is that low? How much was it to go to the 18 variable? 4500 And only 500 difference to, to jump up to the 20? Yep. That, and it's a, train, it's a train unit. Yeah. The 500 doesn't sound right to jump from. Is that, uh, is that 20 seer going to be variable speed as well? Yep. Uh, man, I jump all over that. Okay. You, the, I, the I knew it was comfort. going to be considerably more expensive, but, you know, the home is a, um, uh, again, it's 2,700 square feet. It's got very high ceilings in the living area, yeah. and, and all the ceilings throughout the rooms are all 10 foot. So, Well, the comfort difference that you're going to have and, and the noise difference is going to be amazing uh, when you go from right. a, a single speed to a variable speed. Uh, the The jump from the 16 to... To eighteen, yeah, that's you know it's it's a pretty husky jump to to make that sixteen to eighteen variable speed jump because you're not just making the the sear rating, you're also going into the variable speed. But for five hundred dollars difference, I, I would be jumping all over it. I mean, honestly, I just put one in in my own house. I put a uh, sixteen sear in my house. Because when I, and, and I, I own an air conditioning company, but when I looked at my price difference for the material, for the, the equipment itself, uh, it was more than a $500 spread, or I would have jumped to the 18 as well. Okay. One more quick question, if I could. Sure. Uh, we're going to have propane out there, and he's recommending not to use propane for the furnace, but to put in a heat pump. Why? Uh, I evidently there's he's had issues with propane furnaces. Um, he said, you know, I'm not going to be out there. Every year working on it, but you're going to have issues with uh, with buildup on the burners. So that well, that's what I, your I, 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 that's what your annual servicing is for. Is they clean stuff like that up? Uh, right. And again, I just put a system in my house. My house, I've lived in it for 17 years, all electric the whole time. And I just put a propane heater in it. Okay. You're, you're I, gonna... I prefer propane. I, oh, I, yeah. I do not like electricity. <laughs> no, I, and, and that's the reason I'm changing mine out. Uh, you, the okay. comfort level in the home, is, you know, during the winter months when you're running the heater, the, an electric heat just dries you out unreal. And yep. the propane will help with that. So absolutely go propane. Okay. Now, I, I can you tell much. you he may be trying to steer you the other direction for a, a, a different reason. Uh, a, there is an equipment shortage on systems right now, getting the equipment, and that could yeah, well, be I'm, why he's trying to steer you a little yeah. bit. I'm probably five months out before I'm going to need it. We're just getting ready to start the house. Well, we, I'm expecting this uh, equipment shortage to last probably another year to two years. Right. The one thing he's concerned about is we're going to put in a generator that's going to be, you know, run off the propane. He was concerned during the winter, if we get a really tough winter, that using that propane, then all of a sudden I need the generator and the propane's low. 
Well, uh, and made a little bit of sense. It, it is, but I'm going to tell you how I handled it at my house because I'm doing the same exact thing right now. Uh, the recommendation size for a normal, for just the heating system, is only 250-gallon propane tank. Right. Uh, instead, I'm putting in a 500-gallon tank, and you just never let it go below a half full. Right. Just keep it filled up, and you'll be fine. Okay. Okay, thank you so much for your time. You bet. Love Take care. Now, you know, that last call, one of the things I wanted to go into real quick before we go any further, he, he mentioned he's putting in a generator, and electric heat uses way more power than air conditioning ever thought about using. When you're putting in a generator, if you want to keep the size of the generator down a little bit, you have that gas heat, that propane works just fine, because all you're having to power then is the blower motor in order to circulate the warm air. When you have electric heat, you are are running the heat strips, and that just uses a bunch of power. And just to kind of give you a, 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 a sizing difference, even if you got a heat pump, you're typically using twice the power to heat as you do to cool. Because, and, and I'm not saying when the heat pump's running, but the heat pump is only designed to run down to certain temperatures, and different ones actually go down further than others. But at some point, the electric strip heats kick in, and that's when the bill will just go nuts. If you're running electric strip heat, you're going to be running triple the cost of running an air conditioning system. Well, and it's only doing that because it's using that much more power. So absolutely, if you're looking at backup generators, it's going to be way cheaper to be on that propane than it is that electric. Uh, and also, a lot more convenient when it's time to keep that generator going. Because if you don't have the propane for it, you're going out there to put in gas, you're going out to put diesel, something. The propane tank can be much larger and keep it going much longer. And let's face it, we're in Texas. You don't have to have enough propane to run all winter long. you got to have enough to run a week to get through that storm and get it refilled. But like I said, if you go with a 500-gallon tank, don't let, let it get down below 250 before you have it filled again. You'll always be fine. We're going to Cyprus. Bob, welcome to Texas Hi, Jim, Home Good Improvement. afternoon. Hey, how can I help you? Yeah. Yes, sir. Is there a way, is there a universal switch to hook up a generator? You know, uh, I, my, my daughter has one that if they, they use their portable generator, if the power goes out, they've got some sort of a switch on their breaker box so they can just plug in the generator to that box so they're not putting right. all the cords in the house. Is there something that I can do myself? No. Okay, that, that answered that. That is one, yeah, not a do-it-yourself uh, thing, because what they do is they actually take the wires from where she's plugging in the generator. They go and feed certain breakers. Uh, oh, and and if, it's not, if it's not done right, you will just tear everything up. Okay, that answers that. Okay. okay. Well, I'll use my electrician, and thank you very much. I enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. You take care. Bye. And uh, again, 713-212-5874. And, and 
folks, it's really, it's not a matter of just you're going to tear stuff up in your house. If it's not hooked up right and you've got your generator running, power lines go down. Let's say a hurricane comes in. Power lines go down. You're sitting there running just fine and dandy because you've got your generator going, but it's backfeeding through the line because your generator wasn't wired in properly. You can electrocute the linemen who are out there trying to repair and get everybody's power going. So it can be a huge issue. Uh, you you want to get it hooked up right. Uh, the other thing, like I said, if it's not hooked up right, you can start shorting out all your refrigerators and, and things like that that you're trying to keep going. Uh, so why take the risk? It's just not that big a, of uh, expense to take the kind of chance of, one, hurting or possibly killing somebody, or two, destroying all your electronics. That will be way more expensive than the cost of getting that electrician out there. We're headed to Leak City again. Tony, how can I help you? Hey, Jim. I happen to get my hands on a demo door from uh, Home Depot. It's a little door in the uh, like front door. And mm-hmm. I've had two guys try to install this door, um, and it ha- it's not working. To me, it- it's not squared from what I understand. I was not here when they did the work, so I'd, I'm going by what I hearsay. Could I just have that uh, frame redone around the new door? Absolutely. They were they, okay because they were kind of making it sound like it couldn't be done, and I'm thinking I got thinking, well, why shouldn't we just frame around the new door? So either way, I just want well, to check. Well, typically, all they have to do because the 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 uh, the framework around the door itself, you know, the that the door hangs on, is mm-hmm. independent from the studs. So you take the trim off. You cut the fasteners that are holding that onto the the uh, studs of the house, square it up with this door that you think is unsquare, and re- reattach it. You're done. Okay. Well, they they worked on it for free. They were buddies, so you know they probably didn't want to go through all that, which I don't. You know that's fine. Now, okay, so that's that's simple. We just reframe the door uh, around this new door. Yeah, that, that's possible. Okay. Uh, can I ask you another quick question? Absolutely. Walk-in shower. Um, tiled. I got clear um, caulking down around the tub, t- uh, the bottom of the, the shower tub. Uh-huh. It's mold. It's molded underneath the tile. Yeah. I mean, excuse me, underneath the caulking. What procedures do I do to remedy that? Take that out and redo it. Uh, typically, you're going to have to use a, uh, you know, like a razor blade scraper, mm-hmm. and literally cut all that tile out, clean it real good with a mold inhibitor and stuff. And then when you put the new caulking in, they make caulks that have a mold inhibitor into the caulk. Okay. And you, you'll want to use that. You would think they would use that stuff to start off with, but anyway, it is what yeah. it is. But, okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure of the technique. I mean, I knew, of course, if I remove it. But, and then yep. I, I, there are some caulking removers out there. Is that not a way to go? Yeah, I haven't seen any of them that work worth a darn. Oh, okay. So just cut it out as best you can, get it all cleaned up, and come back and really yep. recock it with the yeah. uh, antifungal caulking. Yep. Okay. All right, just wanted to check. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Ron, how can I help you? Yeah, Jim, thanks for taking my call. 
Uh, I live down in Galveston. My house is on stilts, and I'm getting ready to close up the bottom. I have, I when I we just redid the flooring in the house, and I put uh, vinyl planks, uh, cork okay. vinyl. And my question is, is I have a friend who lives in Surfside, had put down vinyl planks. It was a brand new construction, and within four years, the entire septuor was rotted out. Yep. And and then we have, I have a sister-in-law who has vinyl planks down, or, or we wanted vinyl planks down, and the contractor refused to put them on the second floor because he said that the they will rot out the, the subfloor. And I know somebody else who has a house on piling. Same thing. So. Yep. Why do I close, why do I insulate and close up underneath my house that's not going to cause my subfloors to rot out? Well, when they enclosed them, yeah, when they enclosed them, they didn't uh, have air conditioning down there, did they? They just enclosed them uh, for storage, correct? No, no, well, I'm, I'm not sure what, what you're referring to, but uh, the house that was down the surfside, it was just a regular house and up underneath that home, home beams, I mean, right. home pilings. And they put insulation in and then closed it up with Hardy uh, and uh, uh, sealed all the cracks. And Yeah, and see, what they, what they did there is build a, a, a basically a terrarium. I mean, the humidity level skyrocketed in there. And that right. insulation holds the moisture and holds it against the wood and causes it to rot out. Okay. And yeah, you, you, so, you, they're not they're made to breathe, and they changed it from being able to breathe to just this sealed thing that that just sweats in there, and that that's why they they rot out the way they do. Okay. So and, no insulation. And, I, and, and that's what I was asking about was. You know, when you say you're enclosing underneath, are you making it into space under there, or are you just uh, no. underneath where you can, like, park cars and stuff, or are you just trying to yeah, close off the ceiling? I'm just trying to close off the ceiling for, okay. uh, for temperature, insulation, and uh, looks. Yeah. If you want to insulate it, the only insulation that I would recommend you look at is a closed-cell foam insulation. Right. Because an open cell will absorb moisture and hold it. The closed cell mm -hmm. will protect the wood from the humidity because it okay. doesn't take on moisture. Uh, now, that being said, when you put that vinyl plank on, the reason these are such a problem is the air conditioner is no longer dehumidifying below that vinyl plank. I mean, it's almost like laying a sheet of plastic out. And so the humidity levels will skyrocket underneath it. And if you put that closed cell foam, now you've got two sides that are blocking from dehumidifying in between. And so if any moisture is in there to begin with, it's going to deteriorate it. Uh, I typically would recommend you put something that's going to be a breathable more so than those vinyl planks. Okay. Well, the, the 2,400 square feet of the uh, house are already off laid with vinyl planks. So it would be very expensive to uh, tear all that out. Yeah, then then my recommendation would be don't insulate underneath it. If you want right. to put something 
underneath there to to so you're not looking up at all the floor joists and everything. Right. Put something up that's breathable. You could use the uh, the hardy the soffit material that's already got holes right. in it, right. and that would allow it to breathe. Um, but yeah, don't don't bother putting insulation in there because you you. And number one, putting the insulation underneath that way is not going to help you all that much to begin with. Right. Uh, so if you just put something like the the soffit material where it can breathe. Uh, you'll be far better off. Okay. Well, this has been worrying on my mind for quite some time, and it's caused me to be very indecisive on what to do. Yep. So I appreciate your information. Not a problem at all. You take care. Thank you. Bye. And uh, there's a reason when these structures were built, the, the bottoms are being left open, and it, it is to have good air circulation to keep them from deteriorating. Now, that doesn't mean you can't cover it with some decorative stuff, but what's happening is, like he was talking about, they went in and they sealed it tight. And think about a, a jar. You put the lid on, you seal it tight, it'll get humidity in there. The sides start sweating and stuff. Well, it does the same thing underneath in those spaces up there. That wood cannot handle that moisture that's what causes it to start deteriorating and rot out so yeah just keep it where it's where it's breathable and quite frankly we're typically worried about the summer months for our heating and cooling bills hot air rises the underneath side it's it's not going to change your air conditioning bill that much in the winter months absolutely you could get a little bit of cold snap where your toes are a little cold that's what they make fuzzy slippers for use those and and you won't have an issue but if you seal it with the hardy like i was talking about with the uh, holes in it with the soffit material you know you'll keep the wind from hitting underneath there uh, which that in itself will help with the temperatures and keep it somewhat tempered to keep your toes nice and comfy i have a dryer that is one year old and it's not drying efficiently i cleared out the vent but it's still not drying efficiently. Could it be that it is not clear enough? It takes about two full cycles for it to dry. I used the manufacturer's dryer's test for airflow and one of the two things fell off. Well, there's several things that can make a dryer not dry properly. One, and, and I'm almost wondering if this isn't the issue that you're having, is if your vent pipe is just too long. Uh, you know, if it's got to push the air too far, it's not cycling the, the warm air because the dryer will tend to, to heat up and not push the stuff out, to, to get the humidity out properly, and that can cause a problem. Uh, if the dryer, and you kind of address this, uh, you know, making sure it's clear, but if the vent starts clogging up, with lint and stuff, that can cause it. If the dryer's just plain not working properly, it can cause a, a, a problem drying as well. So uh, to be honest with you, this probably is going to require a little bit more hands-on than than what I'm doing here. I would have asked, loved to ask the question, how far are, is it having to pipe? How far straight up is it having to go? If the dryer is on the first floor and you're pushing the air all the way up through to the second floor attic, 
that just kills a dryer. It just plain doesn't have the force to be able to do that and dry the air efficiently. Because remember, it's both the heat and the airflow that helps the clothes to dry. The heat helps the air to, uh, helps with the drying process, but the airflow gets rid of the humidity, which speeds the process up. So, now there are some things you can do if your pipes are too long that way. Uh, and one of the big ones is they actually make a booster fan that you can put in the line in in the you know so you can go up say to the second floor and put a booster fan to push the air the rest of the way out through the attic uh, and that may be what you need but like i said i'd have to have a little bit more information beverly and garland she's converting an existing carport into a garage most of the townhomes where i live already do have a garage door According to the city of Garland, I have to first submit an application with the adjustment board in order to get approved. It has to include a site plan. What kind of company would help with this process? Or do I look for a full service contractor that can also do the work once approved? Any help would be appreciated. Well, you can find a full service contractor if you'd like. Uh, but the site plan is usually not that big a deal. If you'll dig through your paperwork from when you bought the place, you probably have a survey in there. That can suffice as your site plan. Uh, if you don't have one, you literally can go draw it out and put the measurements for the site itself. You show where the garage door is and, and that you're converting it. That's it. That's your site plan. It doesn't have to be an official document, typically. Hand drawing, especially if you're going in to pull it, is fine. And if your opening is sized for a regular garage door to be able to easily go in there, uh, this is going to be the one case where I would say go pull your own permit because then you can just call the garage door company, come out, and install it. Uh, the fact that you've got others in, in the complex... You know, should make it very easy for them to accept it. You, you're not going to have to butt heads with anybody, but they do still have to have that. Uh, it don't. I know. I get it. It don't make sense. You know, everybody else has it already. I'm not changing anything on the site. Blah blah blah. But what they're looking for is to make sure that it's actually on your site and that you can change it. Uh, and especially when you start dealing in townhomes and stuff like that, condos. Uh, it becomes a little bit different, but even if if this was just a regular home, they would ask for the same paperwork. So it, it's it, this is nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, contractors have to deal with it all the time. Let's head over to Fort Worth and Joe. This is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, I'm getting a new roof put on here in the next week or two, and I wanted to talk about ventilation. Right now, I have two whirly birds on there, which is probably not enough. I have some soft vents, which weren't in the house originally, which I had to add. So I'm going to have to add some soft vents. So I'm thinking of putting a ridge vent over the garage and a couple of solar uh, on top of the roof. I wanted to get your opinion on that and see if they can uh, put together 
or would you recommend something else or some additional vents also? Yeah, you have to pick one or the other because if you put uh, ridge vents on part of the roof and solar fans on the other part, um, they work against each other. They won't allow the air to come in through the soffit vents and raise and exit through the ridge vents or solar power. What will happen is the solar fan kicks on and it starts drawing air through the, the uh, ridge vent instead because it's going to take path of least resistance. Okay, so would you recommend uh, more whirly birds uh, if we forget the ridge vent or more those little square deals well, on top I, because I, I probably need more? My personal favorite is the ridge vents. That's what I put on my own home and, and other properties is to go with ridge vents. If you want to okay. do something that's going to move more air than that, then take a look at the solar fans uh, because okay. solar fans, they... You know, they'll have sensors on them to dick, uh, find out. You know, they'll they'll pick the the temperature. You can and you can adjust it on a lot of them to what temperature you want the fan to kick in on. But they can also uh, sense the humidity levels, and so that's adjustable as well. And it'll just draw the new air in through the soffits and out through the solar fan. How big a house are we talking about? What twenty seven hundred. One, st one floor? One floor. Okay. So you'd probably be looking at more than likely two solar fans. Maybe three, but two is probably about all you're going to be looking at. And, uh, you know, that's just going to draw the air up and, and out. And uh, With that big a house, though, you probably got plenty of ridge vent to go with just ridge vents. And that's my favorite because well, as the hot air rises, it just goes out through the ridge. Well, actually, I don't. The only place I could put a ridge vent, the way the uh, roof is shaped, would be over the garage. Oh, well, then definitely go go with the solar pan, solar fans then. And that'll be no problem in the at night when the sun's not out or anything oh, like no. that either. Not at all. Okay, and one other thing, I as I look underneath my roof, my air conditioning uh, hoses and things. Some of them are close to their roof where nails can get put in. Are those bendable, so to speak? i got to bend them away from the inside of the roof so no nails go in there. And that's for your drain lines, you said? No, it's the Freon lines. Oh, the Freon lines. Oh, yes, they are They are bendable. That, that's okay. typically a rolled copper tubing. Okay, so I'll bend that. Okay, so maybe two or three solar deals. Yeah, it'll just depend on the CFM. And uh, basically, if you look at the boxes on them, they'll have a chart that'll say, uh, you know, this will this will handle so many CFM or so many square okay. feet of, of attic space. Now, I want to caution you on one thing. Don't If they tell you to have uh, two of them, don't put three thinking you're going to help it out because if you have too much... Uh, it will actually start drawing air from inside the home instead of just the soffits. Okay. That's, that's not helping right. any. Well, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.